This is Murder Scotland, a podcast that looks at famous and not so famous murders that happened in Scotland or were committed by people with a connection to Scotland. We'll just see how tenuous we can get. My name is Julie Lamont. Me and my co-host Alan Nicholl will look at these crimes with 21st century eyes and discuss, are they really what we thought they were? Welcome back to Murder Scotland. This week we're looking at the mysterious death of Willie McRae, For those of you who are not always sure about what Alan and I are saying in the podcast this week, I think the only word that you might not understand is fags. We're talking about Willie McRae's cigarettes. So with that, hope you enjoy. Willie McRae. Willie McRae, I don't know a huge amount about him, except that I can tell you he was born in 1923. I think it was in Falkirk in Scotland. And he died in 1985, April 1985. He was one of the founders of Levy and McRae, which, uh, when I was practising law, was one of the, the big firms. Oh, really? They were like a big, big deal? Oh, yeah, yeah. They had a, a lot of work and um, they were highly regarded. Okay. Um, and I think Willie um, had been in the, the Navy and during the war... Oh, I, I have actually written down some notes for you. <laughs> oh, very good. Because I know because the World Cup was on, you didn't have time to do, like, your normal... On That's correct. Going. That's so, correct. I have not, not, not done the, the research this time. You I, have. I, I'm doing the research <laughs> this week. So he ser- actually served in the Sea Force Highlanders during the war. That's right, yes. I remember reading that somewhere. And he was in the Royal Indian Navy. That's right. He was seconded to the Navy. And apparently he encouraged the Indians to break free of Britain. Oh, really? He was quite in the forefront of Indian nationalism. Into kind of like independent movement, independence movements Ah, with every country. Wow. Wow. And he could speak uh, Urdu and Hindi. Oh, your research is better than mine already. No, it's not. No, 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 no. That's so interesting. No, that's so cool. The the thing about Willie McRae is it's all to do with, he's remembered for that, I think, solely in that the the matter of his death. Which is, we were just saying before we start recording, that's really sad because he actually did some really interesting things in his Uh life that are definitely worth talking about. Yeah. But you are right. The reason we are talking about him was he was found on the 6th of April 1985 at 10 a.m., by some Australian tourists in a car. Um, it looked like it was a car crash. He was taken to hospital. We'll get into more detail on this a little bit later. Um, and at the second hospital he went to, it was found he had a gunshot wound in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a lot of kind of conspiracy theories and thought about this here in Scotland because... People think that he was murdered rather than committed mm-hmm. suicide. Mm-hmm. And there, I mean, there's actually lots of good reason that people think that because the gun apparently wasn't near the car. Um, he didn't actually die the same day he was found. He died the early morning of the next morning. Mm-hmm. So he was still alive when he was found. Apparently there were some papers missing from his car. There was lots of strange things that happened around this and I think one of the weirdest things happened was on the morning that he left Glasgow which was on the 5th of April the day before there was a a quite strange fire that happened in his flat so I don't know if you know any about that but I can tell you all about it because I did the research this time. Right Um, I wasn't really aware of the the fire I was just aware of the controversy surrounding his death and of course we call this podcast Murder Scotland. But we so don't know if it's a murder this We time. don't know if it's a murder. Um, some people say it is, other people say it's not. It's, it's interesting because it's a mystery, right? Mm-hmm. And it that's is. kind of what we liked about the, the Bible John story was yeah, yeah. the mystery involved with it. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I actually, from doing a bit of research, actually do think quite a lot of it is explainable. Do you? Yeah. Do you hold to any of the the theory that he was murdered? 
I don't. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that very passionately believe mm-hmm. that he was murdered. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm totally happy to take comments on it and discuss it with people. Um, my sister is one of them. She was mm-hmm. quite angry at my point of view after doing a lot of reading that <laughs> <laughs> I'd taken this stance. I think she saw it as kind of the stance of like, this is like the establishment that's pushed this agenda and that this man had done good things for Scotland mm-hmm. and that he was being murdered to kind of stop him from doing other good things. But I think we can get into all of that and explain it a little bit more for the listeners. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the things that seems to be controversial was after he died, without calling it murder, um, there was some controversy as to whether he was under surveillance or not. Right. Is that part of your research? Yeah. Right. I, I think mm. probably that's that's an area where we could get more information about, to be honest, because there's lots of theories about why he may have been under surveillance. And I think there is a lot of people think he was under surveillance, but it, it could have been for um, other reasons alternative to, uh, well, let's get into it. Let's just get into okay. it. Okay, right. Right, okay. Okay. All Mm. right, so he was 61 when he died. He was a lawyer, as you've already mentioned. He was quite an active member of the SNP, Scottish Mm -hmm. Nationalist Party, who um, here in Scotland are very pro-independence from the United Kingdom. Uh, He campaigned and stopped a nuclear um, waste getting dumped in Galloway. That's, you have to pronounce the word. (laughs) Malwarker. Mal, (laughs) say it again. Malwacher. Malwacher. Yes. Um, <laughs> Sorry to the people of Malwacher. Like I've mentioned, <laughs> time, probably. It's, it's near Europe, aren't we? But uh, the idea was that he resisted any British government's attempts to dump nuclear waste. Yeah. And he he won the the debate. And that's what he should be remembered for. It because be. that uh-huh. is amazing that he did that. I know. I know. Because if you think about the things that like. The, the UK government has done to Scotland, let's start with uh, the, all the dumping of all the weapons after the Second World War in Beaufort's Dyke between mm-hmm. Scotland and Ireland. Yeah. We still have crap float up on the shore around that coast from that dumping site. I mean, God knows what's down there. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know where my dad grew up, there was an American naval base um, based there Didn't during the Cold yeah. War, yeah. Mm-hmm. And who knows what crap got dumped in the water, but there was quite a lot of talk about not eating the fish for many, many years there. And there's lots of strange things that have happened in that region, but mm-hmm. we don't need to get into mm-hmm. that detail. But you just sort of think, because we're the quite a remote country and far away from um, the heavily metropolis area of London, mm-hmm. things like... Uh, Faslane or here, Faslane's where and the nuclear arms are based mm-hmm. that protect the United Kingdom. Uh, just, I think Scotland's just kind of like, uh, it feels a bit like I, I don't care about the Scottish people dumping place sometimes when so, you read these things. So are you saying that the likes of Willie McRae um, stopped Scotland from being a dumping ground? Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he did, right? <laughs> we shouldn't, there's no denial about that. He mm-hmm. 100% did. God knows what else they, they would have just chucked here because it's far away from urban areas. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, about him as a person, so people say that he was very intelligent, a very kind person. He did a lot of free legal work and advice. He campaigned for equality and the levelling up of the Scottish people. He felt like Scotland had got a bit of a bum deal out of the United Kingdom. Um, The example being the nuclear waste going Mm -hmm. to be dumped here. Uh, He went to Glasgow University, got a a first-class degree, and he set up um, Levy and McRae in 1949, which still runs to this day, right? It does, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was born in Carron near Falkirk, 1923, as you mentioned. Um, he got into politics in the late 1960s. Um, he tried to become a member of parliament twice and didn't work out for him. Um, but he became the one of the SNP's main lawyers in the 1970s, which was how he got into campaigning 
to stop like nuclear waste getting dumped. Yeah. Um, so some of the research I did on this was there. There's a documentary out there which is on YouTube called um, "Who Killed Willie McRae." So they've got clear and obvious. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. thought process just in the title there about, mm-hmm. <laughs> about yeah. what happened um, so they, there was a few things in there I thought were really interesting it's worth pointing out so he was known to carry an unlicensed revolver with him and he was also known to drink drive I think we have to mm-hmm. keep those things primarily up in our head um, so there was an inquiry at, at the time into a nuclear power industry in Scotland Um uh, particularly around Dunray nuclear facility that apparently Willie McRae was involved with. And this is part of the conspiracy theories that yeah. happen around this. People think because this nuclear power industry thing was happening that he was looking into that um, MI5 was involved because that they'd, they'd, he'd damaged... The UK government's plans to dump nuclear waste once that he might uncover something else about something maybe illegal that was happening at Dunray. I mean, to be honest, that kind of conspiracy theory I can get on board with. I genuinely believe there's all sorts of crazy crap that happens out there in this world that we are unaware of. So that side of things I could get into. Whether or not MI5 was following him about that, that's the bit I find maybe a little bit mm-hmm. difficult to swallow, but I think we can kind of keep talking about that. So his home was broken into and some papers of his were looked at. Um, there was also a lady called Hilda Murrell um, who died and it was thought to be a bungled attempt by security services. That was, um, I think, a couple of years maybe before, a year before um, the Willie McRae death. And Hilda was also involved with stopping nuclear waste and nuclear power problems um, in England. So that's why people think that Willie, Willie might be like a similar kind of strain of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, his his enemies apparently included drug dealers because he defended people involved um, with drugs in the Highlands, and he possible arm running that was going through the Highlands as well. Apparently he was defending people that were involved with that sort of situation as well. Um, I think that the part that stands out for me that might be a reason that he was getting followed by MI5 if he was getting followed by security services at all, was that he had early links with um, paramilitary. So uh, he let some letter bombers use his office um, to send a, a sort of letter bomb to the city chambers when Princess Diana was visiting, which I think, I mean, if I was security services, that would be the reason I would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd be keeping an eye on them. I, like, I just don't know how much they're involved with. But I mean, maybe they are involved with nuclear power, but it feels like the lesser bomb parallel triangle might be mm-hmm. more of a reason for that. Um, it's also suggested that he might have helped finance some paramilitary schemes as well. Um, his I, didn't, fa- I didn't know about that. Yeah, well, this was just in this documentary, whether or not that's true. But mm-hmm. they, they were very much of the, the opinion, you can tell by the title, that he was murdered. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he, the, also the his family said he was very naive and he had possibly helped the SNLA, so was that the Scottish Nationalist Liberation, Liberation Army? Army? Yeah, just so they were kind of like a, bunch a, of hotheads, a yeah. military type paramilitary. Well, yeah, they were just kid on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but that feels to me, and uh, you you were more sentient than I was in 1985. That's a <laughs> very small child. Um, like, it feels like that might be more of a reason that he'd get followed than than the, the yeah. nuclear waste thing. Yeah, yeah. I think so, because uh, I remember a case with somebody from the SNLA and he um, was charged with a bank, uh, sorry, a post office robbery in Mary Hill and the uh, evidence against this guy was good. And when I worked for Keith Bovey, who was a nationalist, um, he instructed uh, senior counsel to appear 
and the guy was acquitted. Yeah. Despite the evidence. And the story that I heard was that this guy had punched senior counsel because he wanted to be a martyr. Wow. So, yeah, these guys did exist, but thankfully there's not many of them around. Yeah. Wow. You just don't think about that, about Scotland. But, yeah, uh, to, me, to me that seemed like the more obvious reason, especially if there's letter bombs involved. Yeah, yeah. Um. So... Okay, anyway, he left his office on Friday, which was the 5th of April. He had apparently had a briefcase with him, not 100% about whether or not that's true or not, because it was quite difficult to find actual solid sources that said he, that somebody 100% knew he had a briefcase with him. Apparently, he usually carried a briefcase, but anyway. Um, and his last words were, when he left the office... I've got them <laughs> and swung the briefcase in there. Again, I'm not sure about that if that's no. just it feels a bit, I don't know, a bit Hollywood, doesn't it? But it does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Maybe. There was two cars apparently that had been following him over the previous days. Um and somehow people have the registration numbers of these cars. Uh I could read them out, but it's a bit boring. <laughs> There's um Apparently a brown Chrysler followed him home um, and then he drove to Ardelve by Dorney um, to where he had the Button Ben. Mm-hmm. Button Ben's like a real kind of holiday home, let's say mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and on the way there, something happened to him and he was found on Saturday morning. So... The theories. There's the murder theory and then there's the suicide theory. The suicide theory is that he was depressive. Um, He was also had apparently pulled his gun and held it to his head in front of a friend of his before and had talked at length about killing himself. Um, But again, the source for that wasn't super clear it was just mentioned in an article that i read mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. he had um crashed his car uh, at some period before and he was waiting on a court date um and potentially was going to go to jail for that he also had been pushed out of levy mccray because he was an alcoholic yeah. he had um quite bad drinking problem and the drink driving was the reason that he'd crashed the car. Um, and so people think that he had crashed his car. He realised he was probably definitely going to jail because he'd crashed his car again and had been drink driving again. And that he'd pulled out his revolver that he always carried and that he'd shot himself Um he apparently was also a massive advocate for euthanasia um, and he got kicked out of Levy McRae in 1981. So that was a few years earlier. He'd set yeah. up this new legal practice and this <clears throat> new legal practice wasn't doing very well. He had personal problems. So that's that's this suicide theory. Uh, the murder theory is the weapon. So it wasn't found anywhere near the car. Um the procurator fiscal's assistant took a photo of the weapon, which was 20 feet from the car. And apparently in these photos, the papers were piled up. We can't look at these photos because the police don't have them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's another reason people think this is a big conspiracy because, yeah. yeah, we'll get into why they might not have these photos anymore, but they don't have any of the photos. It is just very dodgy the whole police thing so there was an SNP councillor called David Coots who was the second on the scene he was in a car with his friend um, Dorothy Messer who was a doctor and her fiance um, and David Coots says there was there was no gun near the car he would have noticed the gun mm. Um the other thing is people think he carried the gun because he felt like he needed protection. Um, it was a twenty-two caliber Smith & Wesson. It was unlicensed. And um, apparently had two spent cartridges from it. So that I guess that's another thing that's 
kind of interesting because he only had one gunshot wound in the head. Yeah, and yet there were two cartridges. Um, I suppose the reason that there's so many people who actually believe he was murdered um, is because it would be difficult to shoot yourself, particularly where, as I understand it, the bullet wound was. Right. There's some debate about the bullet wounds. Right, okay, what's that? Sorry. <laughs> Do you want me to get into that? Yes, okay. if you, you don't mind. Right, so the bullet wounds, according to his brother, um, who was also a he doctor. He was a doctor, wasn't yeah. he? Yes, yeah. I remember that. And um, it was behind his right ear, um, so I'm, I'm pointing, but the podcast mm-hmm. can't see. Mm-hmm. So where our headphones are, just behind where our headphones would be. Yeah. Uh, but... There is a lot of debate about where the bullet wound was because um, there's a nurse that has been quoted in a lot of newspapers and things as saying um, the gunshot wound was on the back of his head yes. and who would kind of be able to bend themselves around to shoot themselves in the back of the head. It would be difficult, wouldn't it? It would be difficult. It'd be, I mean, I think possible, but, I mean, difficult. But the brother said it was here. And there was a video of the brother talking on a TV show where he pointed just here behind the right ear. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've seen online some people take stills from that video. I've not actually been able to see the whole video, but I've seen people take stills from the video and the kind of the angle he's pointing. And I can see how they might have thought he was pointed back here. Mm-hmm. But in, in articles, he's he said that he saw the bullet wound on his brother and he was he was a doctor. He was <laughs> yeah. He should have got that right. Yeah. You would think. In so, fact, that was the brother not um, of the view it was a suicide. Yeah, the brother was a hundred percent of the view it was a suicide, mm-hmm. and he had asked people multiple times to let his brother be laid to rest and remembered for the good work. He the did. good work he yeah. did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that's something to say. So on the scene when they found him. Uh, the, the Australian couple, they were driving along the road. They saw this car. Now, here's this, this, this is such a crazy story. They said that he was, that the car was kind of, they could see a car was off the road, but they had to get their binoculars out to see where the car was because it was kind of so far off the road. It had managed to kind of drive off road and then get wedged kind of over like a little stream. Um, and the, they said that the passenger window was kind of pushed up against like a kind of hillock, right? So they couldn't get the pass. Sorry, not the passenger, the driver's door. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get the driver's mm-hmm. door open. Um, so they looked through the binoculars. They saw that it was a car. They thought they'd better go over and make sure because it obviously it looked dodgy as hell. Um, they got there. They realized there was somebody in there. They ran back to the road and they flagged down the next car which happened to have David Coots in it. Yeah, he was an SNP councillor. Yeah, but he didn't initially recognise Willie McCray. It wasn't until he was kind of, they, they were helping get him out of the car that he realised it was Willie McCray. Or mm-hmm. I think, or he saw this, there was a sticker on the car that was an SNP sticker. Um, and then that, that was kind of when he put two and two together. So um, his his friend, Dr Dorothy Messer, she got in, into the car she realized he was still alive though one of his pupils was dilated um they apparently he was wet the seat was wet because the window was open of the driver's side of the car and the thought i think consensus generally everybody is of the same opinion this is something everyone can agree on he potentially been there about 10 hours Mm -hmm. so that's horrific that he's been there but um i think the the thing with one pupil being dilated might say that he was already brain dead so he hopefully wasn't suffering yeah um so right the next thing that happened was the passenger in the car which i think was dr dorothy messer's fiance went and got to a phone because there was no uh, no, no mobile phones then um managers call emergency services emergency services come out Everybody, everybody on the scene here, police, ambulance, Dr. Dorothy Messer, David Coates, everybody, the Australians, everyone is of the opinion this is a car crash. He's gone off road and he's crashed his car and then he's been stuck there. Nobody can see the bullet wound because it's a very small calibre. It's under his hair and it's also behind the kind of like the back of his, behind his back of his right ear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... 
They take him to the local hospital, which I'll have to find the name of. Was it Inverness at first and then Aberdeen? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it went to Inverness. He went to Inverness. Ragmore. That's it, Ragmore. He went to Ragmore and he was there. Um, uh, they did some scans from him. They didn't see the bullet wound because they didn't get a chance to look at the scans. They just packed the scans up and they went off with him to Aberdeen. Then Aberdeen, they got a chance to look at the scans. They realised there was a bullet wound in his head. They kept him alive as long as they could until his family got there. Um, but then they, they said to the brother that they don't want to turn the life support machines off because they think he's brain dead. Mm. Um, and the brother had to make that decision. So it was a pretty, a pretty awful situation for their family yeah. to be in. So um, the point of them finding the bullet in his head is potentially like maybe as many as sort of 15, 20 hours after he's found. Like it's quite a long time after he's found. And at that point, that's the point the police realised that this is a gun crime, that that this is potentially, not potentially, this is a firearm offence. This is not their normal situation They've not had a gun crime like this in the area for more than, tw- not like this, they haven't had a gun crime for more than 20 years mm-hmm. in this region. <laughs> so you can imagine, right, that they're not, let's say this is not, this is not Colombo. They're not, <laughs> this is not crack gun crime squad come out to deal with this. Yeah, yeah. This is your local cops that are used to like getting the sheep off the roads and stuff mm-hmm. like that because yeah, yeah. of the area. So um, th- one of the things that people talk about as being um, a bit of a conspiracy theory is that two companies say they picked up the car and there's this huge disagreement Huge. <laughs> Sorry for laughing, but it is. Wait, I mean, I can show you some videos. You would just be like, what? Um, about the location of where the the crash had happened. Um, so there's a guy called, do you know this guy, Douglas Strathairn? I think he might be a lord or something. I, no, I don't okay. know Okay, so he decided that it was in one location and he built a cairn there and it seems quite close to the road, so I don't know if it's, he's got the right spot. But anyway, um, <clears throat> they have they had a service there every year um, since Willie McRae died uh, for him. But Doug, uh, David Coates, the man that actually was there second on the scene, thinks that that's more than a mile away from yeah. where it actually mm-hmm. happened. So <clears throat> there's a bit of a debate about the location, which doesn't help. Um, and the possible thing with the briefcase being missing as well is a bit of a strange one. Did he have a briefcase? Did he not have a briefcase? Where's his briefcase? Did it have really important documents in there that MI5 came and stole as they yeah. murdered him? I've I've got to say, right, at this point, this is my blatant bias right on this story, but... If MI5 are the shit at killing people, mm. we really have a problem. Definitely. Like in 1985. Yeah. Yeah. This is like Cold War period. Mm. They surely mm. should be better at murdering people than this. Yeah. But um, anyway, so I think I have an answer to quite a lot of these questions. Okay. Um, was it a conspiracy, do you think? I think that it was just complete and utter police incompetence that's what yeah yeah that's entirely possible which i know is generally quite often why i think when we read <laughs> we read some of mm-hmm. these stories but yeah this one actually there was okay so in 2015 scotland on sunday did an inquiry they got um a bunch of journalist uh, students graduate journalist students did this as part of their thesis i don't have their names i'd love to credit them but i mean the amount of work they did on this thing is insane they were really really persistent they interviewed all the people that they could to get involved with it um and they've kind of got answers to quite a lot not all but quite a lot of the weird happenings around this story so 
dum 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 the car the location the gun right so the car was moved that's the answer <laughs> all right okay. that's the answer to that so thinking it was a road traffic accident um the people on the scene as in emergency services people that had been helping re- remove him from the car and um, the police that arrived on the scene they're they think they think people think that it, the papers in his so some of the papers in his car apparently were piled up in a photo and there's no way he could have killed himself gone and piled up his papers yeah, or piled yeah. up his papers then killed himself why would he have got out of the car he couldn't have got out of the passengers i'm sorry the driver's side anyway the whole thing was very very weird people thinking it was a road traffic accident potentially picked up things that were lying around and piled them up Perhaps to be helpful tidy, that's yeah, yeah exactly and then the car was moved so they thought it was a road traffic accident they moved the car they actually these students managed to track down the companies that had moved them they had specific times that the cars were picked up not the specific location frustratingly but the specific times and the rough location so the car was picked up then they realized that there was a bullet in his head then the police panicked because they don't know how to deal with a gun crime and mm. they drove the they got the car to take him back i, I thought i'd read that somewhere <laughs> yeah they, they took the car back to the wrong spot or to, something. yeah to the wrong spot mm. right yeah. <laughs> potentially 20 feet away from his previous spot i can't believe it but they didn't write it in any of their records anywhere and then the next thing which was really weird was that the conspiracy theories all kind of really get into was is it the, the procurator for um the procurator fiscal for Inverness, who was called Thomas Aitchison, he announced forty hours after William McCray's death that the case was fully investigated and had no suspicious circumstances. Mm-hmm. And then the Crown Council rebuked this. So I I think because the procurator fiscal was just straight in there like Nothing to see here. Everyone thought yeah. there's something mm-hmm. to see here. But uh-huh. what they thought was MI5 and big conspiracy theories. But I think genuinely what to see here was complete and utter police incompetence and the fact that they didn't put any of these details in their notes or record anything properly. I, I'd be inclined to agree with that because, um, you know, I know lots and lots of people who were in the fiscal service and I was one of them. And uh, I've got to say that, uh, you know, MI5 is a very, uh, it's a very unusual thing for MI5 to get involved in anything. Um, And for any inquiry to be diverted from the truth um, would be extremely unusual. Yeah, yeah. And police incompetence, just so rife, right? (laughs) Yeah, Just, I suppose it was in the 1980s. Yeah. Especially, as you say, if they weren't, um, you know, aware of the true cause of death. It's understandable that they would take the car away. Yeah. it's just bringing the, it back was just that's, fed the conspiracy the, theory. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so the police didn't get the right spot, right? And then the gun, when the gun was found, was not near the car because the car was moved. The gun hadn't been moved. The car was moved. Um, they didn't record this blunder at the time, not in any police or crown reports. But this explains the two different companies saying they picked it up. Um, but the witnesses, Alan and Barbara Crow, they're the, the Australians. They said that they went to the site the next day to find um, some gloves that Alan lost, and they thought that the car was in the same place. That's that's something that people kind of bring up to rebuke the whole. Um, the police didn't get the right spot. Mm. I would just be really shocked if they had got... Ex- How could they got exactly the right spot? I mean, we're talking... This is like hilly moorland with little streams going through it. it, it I mean, the, apparently there wasn't um, tar, uh, tire tracks right. leading up. Mm. It was just... It was that rough, the ground, that you, like, you couldn't really... It didn't look like a road traffic accident immediately just by looking at it because there wasn't crazy. You're expecting kind of like two big car track tires yeah, no, going through, but yeah, yeah, nothing like that. So 
I don't know how they could have got it in the exact same spot. And I just also wonder, like, not to say anything about um, Alan and Barbara, but maybe, like, a hillock looks like a hillock in Scotland, mm-hmm. right? If it was mm-hmm. 20 feet or 10 feet away, maybe they wouldn't have known. I don't know if they ever found the glove as well, which might explain why they didn't find the glove, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so anyway, um, they were, here's an interesting one. They were never asked to do witness statements, um, but apparently the Crown has two written statements from them. But they themselves say they were never asked to do witness statements. So that's, that's one for the conspiracy theory. Column. I suppose it is, but, you know, let's Again, face it. Corruption, well, incompetence. It's, it's, it's covering maybe not their even incompetence, but those were the days in the 1980s, I suppose, where the police would just say, well... They told me this, and then they just make up a statement. Yeah. And just to, to finish off the inquiry. So that's incompetence, yeah. I, well, yeah. That's, that's one way of looking at it, I suppose. Yeah. But in, in their view, it was just um, normal practice. Yeah. Okay, so the next thing was, so Kenny Crawford, he was the first constable at the scene. He said the gun was found yards from the vehicle, but did they find the gun the same day or was he even aware that the car had been moved? So he was the first person there to sort of investigate the old um, the gun crime element. So if they hadn't written down anywhere that the car had been moved, <laughs> was he even aware that it had been moved? Do you know what I mean? Like how mm. much were they talking to each other? Just that's one of the weird, the weird ones. But yeah. So what happened was... They did take a bunch of photos um, of the crime scene, but it was with when the car had been put back. So then they conveniently lost all the photos, mm-hmm. which has just added to the conspiracy of theory course, element. Course, uh-huh. Because again, police incompetence. Right, so, the, so there was a few theories at the time um, when when the Crown had decided that, that, that it was fully investigated. Um, with no suspicious circumstances. At the time, there was a bit of a rumour going around that there was an unidentified man that had been shooting at hillwalkers in the area with a rifle. Oh, I didn't know about this, but... No, I mean, it just sounds <clears throat> kind of mad mental, like one mm. of those stories that, you know, I don't know. It's just that I wasn't given anyone any account of that because that's just like one random kind of statement and a thing. Um, and... Even though they said that they'd been fully investigated after 48 hours, they actually did keep investigating. So the police and the Crown kept investigating until the end of 1985. So they they did keep kind of looking into it. Right, so there was a map of the site made by the police and they said that the gun was under the driver's door, which contradicts the first constable in the scene, Kenny Crawford, who said it was nowhere near the car. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Again, police incompetence um, and then one of the other big things that comes up is right the nurse so the nurse that has been on some of uh, I, I don't know she's been on television programs but she's been in lots of the newspapers she said that she saw the bullet wounds she was one of the first people to actually physically see it on his head because she was caring for him um, and she said it was right at the back of his head Yeah. Mm-hmm. now I did a wee bit of investigation on that because it was a bit strange because it like the first time it had come up seemed to be um sort of in recent years, like in the kind of the late teens. Um so in twenty eighteen questions were raised because the nurse who treated him said that there was no gunshot wound to his temple, but apparently in the their their pathologist report uh that there that like one of the reports said that he'd killed himself and that the bullet wound was on his temple. And she said it wasn't on his temple, it was at the back of his head. Do you think that somebody had, the nurse thought somebody had shot him? Yeah, the nurse thought... Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, I'm yeah, with you. Yeah, I'm right, you. so the, the nurse thought somebody <clears throat> shot him, like executioner style, uh-huh. in the back of yeah. the head. Yeah. She said, she was quite clear, she thought the bullet was in the back of the head, right? This is another one of the kind of hallmarks of the conspiracy theory. But... Um, she, a few things, she's quite a big SNP mm-hmm, supporter mm-hmm. and she only kind of brought this up and I think it was around 2018 
Um, and she said at the time that she didn't realize that he was Willie McRae that she was treating. This was like in the twenty, the late twenty tens type time type of time frame. She thought um, she read somewhere that Willie McRae had been treated at, at Aberdeen Hospital. She thought he'd only been at Ragmore. She thought he died at Ragmore when he died. So she thought, oh, that guy I treated with the gunshot wounds must have been Willie McCrate. So to me, I think her statement's not very solid because if no, she if not. she didn't, firstly mm-hmm. she didn't know who the patient was. Sec- like secondly, her I don't know. The whole thing is very strange. Like she didn't think at the time this was him. Like it, if he'd been brought into her care and she was like, Oh, this is Willie McCrae, oh my goodness, he's been executioned executioner style shot in the back of his head mm-hmm. and she like at that point I think and she'd went home and said that to all her relatives I'd be like okay that's a solid credible evidence but she she treated somebody with a gunshot wound that she thinks was in the back of his head then sort of what how many years are we talking 80s 90s <laughs> 30 years later she goes mm-hmm. Oh, he died. Well, what? Willie McCray died in Aberdeen. Oh, it must be that guy that I dealt with that had a gunshot wound in his head. Oh, he must. And it, and his gunshot wound was right right at the back of it. Like yeah. it's too many things to me that like that make it not as not as credible yeah. a statement that that yeah. we can rely on. Really, I think so. Other things, right? So apparently, McCray's blood um, had not had toxicology tests. Um, and that there was no fingerprints found on the gun. But he did leave Glasgow with a bottle of whiskey and cigarettes and they weren't found. So that's another thing people say, Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. right. So again, I just feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over again. Police incompetence. They found this gun. (laughs) They found this gun. Then they were like, oh, shit. That's just 20 feet from the car. We've put the car back in the wrong place. They've tried to get the... I don't know what they've done. They've moved the gun. Then they've realised they've put their own fingerprints on it. They've cleaned it off. This is all my mm-hmm. This is all my conspiracy theory about police being crap at the time. Yeah. But it seems just like Occam's razor. The most obvious reason is <laughs> the reason. And this just... This has got police incompetence all over it. Mm-hmm. Especially if... Um, you'd expect Willie McRae's fingerprints to be in the gun. Yeah, exactly. And yet there's no fingerprints found. Yeah, exactly, right. It's a bit strange, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but that's the thing. That's People think that there's no fingerprints found in the gun because they, what I think what the murder theorists think is he was kind of forced off road by this MI5 suspicious vehicle and then somehow the MI5 guy has got into his car got the revolver of him, off him, then somehow managed to get the revolver around the back of his head and or maybe maybe the maybe they're thinking Willie's unconscious here, right, because of the, the car accident. And the guy's taking the revolver, shot him in the back of the back of the head, and then flung the revolver, cleaned it, flung the revolver twenty feet from the car, taking all his papers out of his car, nicked his whiskey and his fags, and then um, yeah, and his briefcase. So, uh, as you were saying, if it was MI five who committed the murder, then they weren't very good. They were they were dog shit. Mm-hmm. They were like yeah. the absolute. I mean, <clears throat> I feel like if you and I took up murdering, like you know, executioner style, we could have done a better job. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Particularly <laughs> since. Um, there was no toxicology. That's a bit surprising. Because That's, yeah. We're, we're, there's no doubt about it. Willie McCray had bought two bottles of whiskey, I think, yeah. before he left Glasgow. So was he up to his old tricks and drink driving? Yeah, well, I, I definitely think he was drink driving. Mm-hmm. Because apparently he's like quite well known for drink driving. Yeah, yeah. Right, and then there was a fire in his flat. And, and, mm. I, and I think, I believe it was the same day. And I say believe because I, I've read some things which say that it was same day. And I've read some other things that say it was like a, a short period of time before. So what happened was he um, in his flat that mo- like that morning, I believe, right. And then this is another theory. So pay attention to this. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so he had 
woken up, his bedding was on fire and the emergency services had come and um, there was a guy going down the street. He saw the smoke or something and he ran into the building um, and he, well, he came to the door and said like, oh, it's okay, it was me. I like set, I set fire to my own bedding because I think he was, I think he was drunk and he was smoking in bed. Yeah, yeah. Right, but this is a kind of another theory about why he might have crashed on top of the fact he might have again been drinking was that smoke inhalation from the morning because apparently the, the, there was so much smoke in his flat that it was like black under his nostrils oh, and right. kind of around his mouth like it was quite a bad fire mm-hmm. to the extent that the emergency services had been called. Right. Um, but again, it's the conspiracy theorists are, are thinking that it, that this was again some kind of like hit job that MI5 had got or or whoever it is they think did the murder mm-hmm. had got into the flat and had set fire to him or there'd been a struggle or like there's lots of kind of theories out there. But again, I think possibly he just I mean, he said himself that he just got he'd he'd set fire to his own bedding with his own cigarette. So Which is entirely possible if you're if you smoke in bed and you've been drinking. Yeah. And I think Willie was an alcoholic, wasn't he? Yeah, def- I would say definitely mm. from all accounts. So I would say that... I would say that Willie McRae should not be remembered for the way he died. Um, I, I, I don't think... I, I don't think I believe in the conspiracy theories behind it, although I'm always interested to hear more thoughts on it. Yeah. Um. I, I think he should be remembered for what he did for Scotland, which was to prevent us from being a nuclear waste dumping yeah, ground. Yeah, I, I totally agree, yes. And his his brother, Fergus McRae, um, he dismissed all the theories and he urged acceptance of the official story. He said his brother was depressed and he was an alcoholic and he felt it was absolutely within the realms of possibility that he killed himself. And of course, Willie was, was gay, wasn't he? Well, right. I don't know that there's evidence. I didn't mention that for a reason because I don't know that there's any evidence for that. I don't know because back in the 1980s that was like frowned upon to be to be. Yeah, it's, it's different today, but I think in the 1980s it was something you could, um, you know, well, no, you, you you wouldn't go to jail for it, but it was still. You could have, upon. potentially you could have, right? Because remember we discussed this before, 1989 was when it became legal to be gay in Scotland. Yeah, but there was an undertaking by the Lord Advocate that nobody, if Would they get were prosecuted. prosecuted, if it was consenting adults in private. Okay, and that was in the, you think, was that the 1960s? That was think? the 60s, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was still quite like a, a taboo thing. I think it probably was. You think it's relevant because you think he's that kind of could have added to his depressive state that he was I, living in. I think in so. Yes, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I mean, it it could have been. I mean, the other thing is we don't really we don't really know anything about his private life other than the fact he didn't ever have a girlfriend or a wife or anything like that, mm-hmm. as far as mm-hmm. any of the stories say. So, I mean, he he, he could have been gay, he could have had difficulties in his personal life. I mean, some of his friends suggested he had difficulties in his personal life I don't, mm. I don't know exactly what that means but I think it was another reason for him to be depressed in those days yeah it's not a reason nowadays but obviously in the 80s it probably was something that was frowned upon and may have added to his his troubles because yeah. you know he wasn't really accepted as such yeah and a lot of people who were gay um didn't let that be public yeah. Because um, it would affect their careers and the chances of promotion and all these sort of things that we can't imagine now. From everything I've told you about this, and obviously I have a bias because I think it's quite clear kind of what I was thinking all the way through. Basically, I'm just like, police incompetence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm really interested to get your opinion and what you think about it. I think you've obviously done your research and I think that the most obvious explanation for all of that 
is, as you say, is place incompetence, um, possibly partially forgiven because they didn't realise it was a a gun crime. Yeah. Or they'd tried to shoot himself or whatever. Um, and you could see them taking the view that it was a road traffic incident up until they found out that there was a, a gun involved. Yeah. And then hastily sort of putting the car back and... and they tried, to, they tried to stage a crime scene. Uh-huh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, yeah. I can't uh, forgive them for that. I can't forgive yeah, them. Yeah, I, I, know, I know what you mean because um, they shouldn't have gone back on it. What they should have done was say, well, we didn't know that the guy had a bullet in his head. Yeah. Uh, and we thought he'd just driven off the road, given his background um, and the fact that he was a drink driver, like many people were. In the 1980s, yeah, it wasn't didn't have the same stigma as it has these days. Was it illegal to drink and drink? Oh, it was, it was illegal, all right, but proving it wasn't as easy. Um, whereas now it's, you know, it's one of these easier things to do. I mean, it was it was the sixties when they brought out the the breathalyzer. All oh, right, but okay. the the legislation had to get tested in court and all sorts of stuff. So um, I suspect that the police didn't realise what they had in their hands and then once they discovered what it could be their actions then sparked off uh, a big conspiracy theory because as you say they tried to recreate a crime scene I I think the part that kind of flabbergasts me is that there's lots of campaigners out there that want to get the case reopened Mm -hmm. and reinvestigated and I think the the Crown has been quite... Um, yeah, a lot like, of advocates said she's not going to Yeah, exactly. They've, yeah. they've just been really straightforward. Like, this is mm-hmm. this is not going to happen. We're not going to kind of waste our time with it. And that doesn't... It doesn't help because if they, if they just did a proper investigation and acknowledged the complete and utter balls up that this situation was beginning to end, mm-hmm. then there wouldn't be all these people out there concerned about like cover-ups and all these things. Like if there was just if they were just honest about how shitty that this thing whole thing was ca- like handled, and if they like I'm gonna say the stuff about the photos of the gun going missing. So there's you can see photos of the gun online. They have pictures of the gun, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the police um, have responded to Freedom of Information Acts and they're like now kind of in the public domain so you can Google them and see them. But the photos of the crime scene where the gun was found, etc., etc., all of that has been lost. Mm-hmm. I mean, was it actually lost? No, I don't think so. I think they've got rid of it because they realised that they've the up shit creek without a paddle because they messed this thing up so badly. Well, there's so much storage space, you know, I mean, a lot of we started all this off with Bible John, yeah, and there there is nothing left from Bible John. Um, there's there's very few um, files or information, and that's because after a certain while they need the space and they just get rid of it all. Yeah, uh, it'd be quite nice if they, if they hadn't in Bible John's case, but if the Lord Advocate, the current Lord Advocate takes the view that um, it's not to be reopened, then Is I presume... It, you think they, just, they don't have any records of it? I, I presume that, that A, there's no records, and B, it might be pandering to the uh, conspiracy theorists if they go ahead and do that. And then everybody who's got a conspiracy theory about everything will just demand a, a public inquiry. Right. You're, you're, you're playing devil's advocate here, but I, <laughs> I'm going to say, there's not loads of mur- like murder mysteries out there in Scotland. There's not loads of these that this is going to open up a can of worms over. And I think if they just... Some of the people that are campaigning are not people that think MI5 came in and shot William McCree. Some people are just saying... There should be a proper investigation because the guy was shot in the head. That in itself should warrant some kind of investigation in Scotland, right? And the, the they're wanting more information about what happened and 
some of the suspicions around it, right? Then some people are absolutely not saying that it's this, an MI5 hit job. Some people are just saying this potentially is police incompetence. This is just mm-hmm. like, this. there's too many inconsistencies with this story. It shouldn't just be allowed to be out there floating around, letting people be concerned about it. They should just answer the questions that are that are out there hanging. So you, you think there should be some sort of inquiry? Yeah, and you know what? If these students in 2015 were able to get this information and tie down that the cars were moved, blah, 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 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like that in itself, if that had come from the Crown Office, something like that, mm-hmm. then I feel there still would be people out there saying, oh, I still think MI5's done this mm-hmm. because there will always be people out there thinking that. But at least there would be an answer for all the rational people out there that say, how can a guy shoot himself with a car 20, uh, a car 20 feet from the gun, right? Because the police have never said that they've taken the car back. They've never said that. No. These students had to track down what do, you, what do you call it? The tow trucks, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The tow truck companies. Uh-huh. And they were able to do that. So yeah. why can't the police do the same thing? Just make an official... Because somebody somewhere knows that the police, as you say, were incompetent and they don't want to go back over it. Yeah, but they make it worse with the bullshit. Oh, they do. Yeah. They definitely do. Yeah. I think. Um, so the, 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 what are the chances of there being a public inquiry? I think they're very, very slim. No, I say next to zero. I think mm-hmm. is what they're, they're, I just don't see that they're going to ever really do anything about it. And it, maybe for kind of the reasons that you're saying, like maybe they just don't have any notes, or they're just because the state of the notes that the police have taken are too embarrassing, mm-hmm. um, and they just don't want that kind of thing to be open up to the public. But I, I just feel like this man did enough for Scotland's that Scotland should have the respect to investigate his death properly and make that a, pub, a public statement. That's that's all I think. I, I think you could be right, but something else I've read somewhere was that after he died, he was honoured in Israel. Really? What the, for? The University of Haifa uh, made him an emeritus pr- professor at the university, and after his death... A forest of 3,000 trees was planted in his memory. Oh, in, my goodness. That's amazing. That's because he set up, um, I think it was some sort of area of law in the University of Haifa. Oh, my God. That's amazing. He should be remembered for these things, shouldn't he? He should be remembered for those things, uh-huh. for the good that he did uh-huh. to, for this country and, and like, presumably for the world. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh, what a man. Yeah, I, I agree. But... Um, hopefully somebody out there who might listen to this might have something to add to all this. Yeah, I, I would really, I, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to put the podcast out. I'd like to see what people's thoughts are on it. And then I'd quite like to get somebody on. And if we if we, if we can't get a listener on, I'll get my sister on because <laughs> she, she'll fight on this one mm-hmm. to the death. Mm-hmm. She'll come out with, there's, I don't know, there, there, there'll be something that we haven't thought to mm-hmm. answer the question to. And I definitely think it's worth letting people hear their opinions. And, and we, you know, we can always do a bit more investigation and, and yeah, see if we can yeah. so, get answers to those. But, I mean, police incompetence. Yeah, well, I'd, <laughs> I'd be inclined to agree with you. But, um, so, if I understand this, we haven't really come to any great conclusion, but just wait and see what people think. Um, I'm, I've come to a conclusion: it's police incompetence, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. It's police incompetence. But, but I'd like I'd like other people's opinions because I think I think the other people will have they they there there are some people that so closely follow this story that they will they they will they'll know what he said three weeks before to some friend or there'll, there'll be some kind of obscure details that we've missed off here that will really, mm-hmm. really irritate them. And I'd like them to aid it so that we can get a response for them if we can. Yeah, yeah. I think that's great, yeah. Well done. That was good research. <laughs> Thank you. It's <laughs> called the internet. <laughs> I will introduce you to it sometime. No, it's too advanced for me. 
you like our podcast, then please like and share with your friends. We would love to hear your feedback and ideas on Twitter at Murder Scotland. If you'd like any more information on our sources or Alan's books, you can find us at www.murderscotland.com. Murder Scotland is written, presented and produced by Alan Nicholl. Presented, produced and edited by me, Julie Lamont. Our consulting producer is Paige Henderson. Music is called Moments by Adrian Walther. And a special thanks to Steve Garside and Miriam Watson for their unending support and patience with me and Alan. 